Well, let's jump into the message for today. I'm really excited about finishing this series, and I've gotten such incredible response this month about the Fresh Air series. Week number one was really the most important week, and I would encourage you, if you were not here week one, go to our website, listen to that message, go to the iTunes podcast, download it, because that really is the heartbeat and the philosophy of our church. Fall in love with Jesus. We're giving you four principles this month. Principle number one was fall in love with Jesus. It's not about doing more. It's about receiving what's already been done. See, a lot of people think to get fresh air, to get their life going again, they got to do more. I got to read the Bible more. I got to pray more. I got to fast more. I got to do all this stuff for God so that I can earn God's approval. No, it's not about doing more. It's about receiving what's already been done. You don't obey God out of duty. You obey God out of delight because you love him. So fall in love with Jesus and it'll change your life. Week number two, we talked about making the choice every day. And it's an everyday choice because we all made the choice last month. But let me know today's a new day. You know, it's, it's not it's not good enough to make the choice last month. We got to make the choice today because we every day has a new set of challenges and a new set of issues. So it's not a one time thing where you make the choice to serve God, to have a Christ like attitude. It's a daily choice that you have to put on. Last week, we talked about the Sabbath. You know, we talked about slow down. Just be still for a moment. The, one of the biggest reasons we don't have fresh air in our lives today is because of the chaos and the busy and the hectic lifestyle that so many of us live in North County. My son's in four sports. I know I can get him into five. He's got to go pro in one of them. And our lives are just so crazy out of control that we don't have a Sabbath anymore. We don't have one day dedicated to just God and our family and where we don't do any sports or any work or any anything. And we just really enjoy that day of rest and refresh ourselves. And it's such a powerful, powerful biblical principle. So I would encourage you to listen to that uh, message from last week. Today, we're talking about the source of breath the source of the fresh air in our life. Where does it actually come from? Because you can apply all, all the other principles and only get so far out of willpower if you don't have the source of this air in your life. And the source of the air is, is actually the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And here's the dilemma. Many of us are very, very comfortable with God the Father. We, we get the idea of Father. We understand Dad. We understand Father. That's something that, that we can comprehend. Many of us are very comfortable with the idea of Jesus Christ, the Son. I mean, we've all seen him in the pictures. We saw him in the movie. We got him around the neck. We're comfortable with Jesus. We get that. The dilemma is many of us become very, very uncomfortable with spirits, or if you're from the South, the Holy Ghost. Ghosts. I mean, we just don't do ghosts well. We don't do spirits well. We don't get it. We don't comprehend it. And it, and it becomes very you know, confusing in our life. And that's the dilemma. A lot of people have got no problem with God. They have no problem with Jesus, but they have, they have no understanding or relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I get it. I get it. And we're going to talk about that today. Let's look at the theme verse in Deuteronomy that we've been going through every week. In Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy. There we go. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life. That's fresh air. We're talking about all month fresh air, that, that life that blows in you. And death. That's the doldrums. That's that dead, lifeless, stagnant state, whether it's emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, just that, that state where there's no movement. Blessings and curses. And now here's the challenge to everyone. Now choose life. And this is a choice. This is absolutely, it doesn't just naturally happen because you love Jesus. You have to make this choice every day to choose life. And so today's title is As the Wind Blows. 
Because as I really began to, to, to pray and seek God, why is the Holy Spirit so hard for so many people to understand? It seems like Christianity in the world is split between two camps and it all revolves around the Holy Spirit and what they believe of the Holy Spirit. So why is there so much of a disconnect? Well, really, it goes back to the English translated word spirit. That, that's where the disconnect originates. It's the English translated word. Because if, for those of you that may not know the Bible well, the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, was written in the original language Hebrew. It was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew. And it was translated into the English language. The second half of the Bible, the New Testament, was written in Greek. Greek was the common language of the day that scholars used and scholars spoke. And so... This word spirit, or again, if you're from the south or depending on the Bible translation, the word ghost, Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is used in the Bible over 800 times. And, and here's, here, here's the problem. If, if what, what I want to do is I want to do a word study from the Hebrew and the Greek this morning with you and help you understand the original Hebrew word and the original Greek word that was used in the original meaning. Because I understand why the English translators chose the word spirit or chose the word ghost, but it's not quite accurate. It's not quite, it doesn't really capture who he is. And I think once you understand the original word a little bit better, it'll help make a lot more sense of who this third person of the Trinity, this part of God is. The Hebrew word for spirit in the Old Testament is the word ruach. Ruach, and that ch is that guttural sound. It's it's like you know clearing popcorn caught that phlegm sound. That I mean, you got You got to say the word ruach. I mean, I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm just I don't have the Jewish skill to say that word right. But that's the word. It literally is translated: a wind, a breath, a violent exhalation, a blast of breath, fresh air. Ruach is literally translated a blast of breath or a violent exhalation. Yesterday in our soap reading, we were in Exodus chapter 14, and we are reading the story about when, when Moses parted the Red Sea and all the Israelites went across the Red Sea. Remember that story? If you read that story, it says God let a wind blow from the east that parted the waters and made dry land. The word wind in the Hebrew that was used there is the word ruach. It was literally God's spirit blew from the east and dried up the riverbed so that the children of Israel could walk across. Literally translated, it is wind, it is breath. And this is true in every concordance of every pastor in the entire world. This is the definition, wind or breath. It shows up in the second verse of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, we see it right here in the second verse. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit, the wind, the breath, this, this blast of breath of God was hovering over the waters. That was literally the breath of God. I want you to understand something. When God said, let there be light, it was literally the breath that was released with the words that had the power to create. It wasn't just the words by themselves. It was the breath with the words. You cannot speak a word out loud without releasing your breath. God breathed in Adam and gave him life. That's why Jesus, when he was teaching on faith, and the reason many people fail to activate their faith, it's not because they don't believe anything. 
Jesus didn't say you'll have whatever you believe. He says you'll have whatever you say. It's the spoken word that releases that breath. And we're not talking about the name it, claim it stuff, the garbage you see on TV. We're just talking about there's life in the breath. We were created in the image of God and there is life in the breath. And this is important for you to understand if you're really going to understand the Holy Spirit. The Greek word now. The Greek word is the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. And the P is silent, pneuma, meaning a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Again, literally, fresh air. A blast of breath, a strong breeze. In so the best word to describe the Holy Spirit, we really should be saying God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Wind, or God the Holy Breath. But I understand that's a little bit confusing. So I get the reason why the translators use the word spirit or use the word ghost. But for you to really understand who he is and he is a person, you have to know what his original root meaning is. He is the breath of God. He is literally the wind of God. And I like spirit, but I need you to understand this for the sake of really getting to know who the Holy Spirit is. Look at John 6 verse 63 with me. I love going through the Bible now after understanding this and replacing the word spirit with the word wind or breath every time I read it. The spirit, the wind, the breath of God gives life. Remember God breathed into Adam and gave him life. The flesh, what's the flesh? That's your efforts. That's paddling really hard. That's, that's trying. That's willpower. That's, that's God. I'm trying really, really, really hard. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, the breath of God, and they are life. God's word is spirit. Jesus is saying, I just didn't give you a bunch of, uh, a bunch of great ideas to contemplate and work on. He said, I've given you words that literally contain the power for fulfillment. See, what you need to understand about the Bible you possess is this is not some dead history book with just a bunch of ink on pages. This book is alive, it is breathing, it is powerful, and it will breathe life into you. It's not just concepts on printed pages, but this book is alive. The words themselves contain breath or contain wind. And that's a huge concept. It's a huge concept to understand. And here's the disconnect. How do you describe this? I mean, I'm going to do my best today and I'm going to fall short. How do you describe this? I mean, I mean, think about it like this. Imagine trying to explain to somebody that's never been outside what the wind is like. Yeah, just think about that for a moment. Well, the wind is kind of like, well, it's, it's, well, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, just come on outside and let me show you. I mean, I mean, you get, you can't explain it. It doesn't make sense because you, you, you can you can see the effects of the wind. You can feel the wind. You can experience the wind, but you can't see the wind. It's hard to explain the wind. It's just hard to make sense of it. So it is with the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is is really help you understand uh, the Holy Spirit in a new way by by giving you three characteristics about wind that I believe will relate to the Holy Spirit himself. And so my goal is for you to really meet him today at a whole new way, a whole new level, a whole new understanding of who he is. And and I get it. I understand a lot of you saying, still, I just don't do ghosts. I don't do ghosts. I just just stay away from ghosts. I don't just, just follow with me this morning. First thing I want to say about when, and if you're following in your notes, I'd encourage you to fill in the blanks that's in your worship pack. You can also follow on YouVersion online. Wind is unseen. Wind is unseen. You cannot see the wind. And the same is true for the Holy Spirit. And and here's the problem for some people. We have set a filter that we won't accept anything that we can't understand. 
You know, we have this filter programmed in our brain that, that I won't accept it. I won't, I won't embrace it unless I can fully understand it. But let me explain something to you about God. God did not just want you to be able to logically uh, uh, and intellectually understand everything about him. God did not want you to fully get him. God wanted a part of his being that is completely incomprehensible to you because he always intended for you to experience him and even feel him. So I said earlier, there's nothing like the presence of God. I mean, you don't need a pastor and a nice PowerPoint and cool lights. You need one second in God's presence and it'll change your life forever. Or last year, somebody was walking out of the church and they looked like they saw a ghost. And I, and I just wanted to check on them, say, hey, are, are, you, are you okay today? And he just looked at me and said, said Pastor, there was something in that room today. And that's the presence of God. That's, I mean, we've all, hopefully at one time or other, felt God or experienced God in some way. I mean, who wants to sit on the front porch with no breeze, with no wind, no life, just, just, just dead, dry air? See, and so many people, and this breaks my heart, have relegated their Christian experience to that. Where where they they, they just talk about what God did of old instead of what God is doing today. They talk about the power that God had, but they don't talk about the power that God has, that God is doing, that, that He is living, breathing. we got too many people in this doubting Thomas syndrome. Look, look at John chapter 20, verse 29. I love the way Jesus puts it. He says, Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. See, that's, that's where most people are. we got to see it to believe it. If I don't see it, if I can't comprehend it, if I don't intellectually understand it and logically get it, I'm not going to believe. And we have a lot of people that struggle with this. Jesus goes on to say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet they have believed. There's things about God you're never going to get. You're never going to fully understand. The wind is unseen. Second characteristic of wind that I think will help you understand the Holy Spirit. Wind is unpredictable. Wind is unpredictable. I mean, that's why the airport's got those little sticks with the little ribbons and they fly and you can kind of see which way the wind is going and the flights will make adjustments and the flight tower will make adjustment because it's unpredictable. The God you serve is unpredictable. And I know that messes up a bunch of you. I mean, that really does. That just messes you up because you want God to be orderly. You want God to fit nice and neatly in your little box of what you understand and what you comprehend. And when he gets a little unpredictable, it just messes you up. John chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus answered, talking about the wind. It says, Jesus answered, the wind blows. Anyone want to guess what that Greek word wind is? Pneuma. Pneuma. This is the only time in the entire New Testament this Greek word was translated as wind. Every other time they used this Greek word, they translated it as spirit. The wind, the spirit blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everybody born of the spirit, wind or breath. See, the, the wind just blows wherever it pleases. You can't tell where it's coming from. And Jesus did this so, you're, so, so that you won't put them in a box. Because Jesus knows we like to put them in a box. We like to make a little system. I can imagine that blind man. Remember the blind man that Jesus made the little mud pie and put it on his eye? I, I can just imagine that blind man. He heard about all the miracles. He heard about Jesus, you know, laying hands on blind people and the eyes are opening. And I can just see Jesus coming through town and, and the blind man hears about it. And so he's yelling, Jesus, 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 come put your hands on me. Come put your hands on me. I want to see again. And I can just imagine Jesus saying, oh, you think it's in the hand, do you? 
You, you, you think it's the hand? You, th- you think it's the hand that heals? Watch this. I'm going to mess you up good. And he, may, he spits in some mud, makes a little mud pie, puts it on his eyes. It had nothing to do with the hand. It's the God behind the hand. See, we want God to be on our nice little box, nice and neat and orderly. And if you want God to be orderly, he's going to mess you up. He's just going to mess you up because wind is unpredictable. Last characteristic about wind, wind is powerful. Wind is powerful. Think about this. Wind can generate electricity. Wind can sail a ship. Wind can destroy and level an entire city. We see the power of hurricanes and tornadoes. Wind is powerful. You need to understand today the God that you and I serve is powerful. We serve a powerful God. And to be quite honest, I have no interest in serving a powerless God. I have no interest in being a part of a dead religion, a powerless God, a a social Christian country club where we just meet because we want to feel like we're good people. We serve a powerless God. And why this is so hard for so many of us is because when you talk about the power of God, you're going beyond the natural into the word supernatural. And the same reason so many of us struggle with the word spirit and the word ghost, we struggle with the word supernatural. Why? Because we can't comprehend it. We want to understand everything. Let me explain something. Intellectual gospel will always be in danger of creating a God that's like you. If you have to buy into an intellectual gospel, you will always be in danger of creating a God that is just like you. I love Charles Finney. He was one of the, 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 the famous American evangelists of the 1800s, led over 500,000 people to Jesus Christ. But he wasn't always in ministry. He, he began his career as a lawyer, and he was a very bright intellectual of his time. And he always he loved God passionately. He loved Jesus, but he always struggled with the issue of the Holy Spirit, always struggled with the Holy Spirit because he couldn't get it. And he was an intellectual. He was a lawyer. His, his whole job was to reason stuff out and figure it out. And he got to a point where he got so sick and tired of living a powerless Christian walk, just just powerless, just no power to his walk. Love God, but no power. Never saw anything happen. So he got to this point where he locked himself in his room and he said, okay, Holy Spirit, whatever you need to do, do it because I don't want to live this powerless life anymore. I'm just tired of not having power inside me. And I love this, this paragraph out of his biography. These are his words of what happened when he really received the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. He's just doing his best to describe this experience. He goes on to say, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Why did it seem like the very breath of God? Because it was the breath of God. He is the holy breath. He is the holy wind. And if you're going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, you're going to need his power in your life. You're going to need that wind, that breath, giving you the fresh air to do it. And I know, and I'm not dumb. I know why there's a disconnect. I really do. I get it. I get it. We, We have been so trained to have to understand everything intellectually. But you're not always going to get everything intellectually when it comes to God. Uh, Jesus was dealing with this in Acts chapter 1. And this, this story is funny to me. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, there's just funny stuff that happens in there. There's just funny stuff. Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus is dealing with the disciples. And, he's, and Jesus is giving them a message on power. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you power. That, that's what we're talking about. The subject is power. He says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God. Verse 6. 
So when they met together, now remember, Jesus is talking to them about power. They're on a completely different track. When they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I mean, they're completely missing the plot. Jesus is saying, listen, I want to give you guys power and they want knowledge. They want to know stuff. They're, they're trying to figure things out intellectually. They just want, they want the knowledge. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to give you power. Look at verse seven. He said to them, it is not for you to know. You don't have to know everything. And let me just give a quick disclaimer because I know the emails are going to come. I'm not against knowledge. Uh, I am all for knowledge. We read soap every single day because I want you to know the word of God. We don't want to be Christians who live on experience alone. We want to have a foundation in his word. But you got to accept there's going to be parts of God you're not going to get that are just incomprehensible to the human mind. It's not for you to know the times or dates the father set by his own authority. Verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. See, that's the key. We need God's power in our life. If, if knowledge becomes the litmus test for everything that you experience from God, then your God's going to be no bigger than your brain. And I don't know about you, but I don't want a God as big as my brain because he ain't that big. I mean, if I could fully comprehend every part of God, he's not going to be very big. He's not going to be very powerful. He's not going to be very awesome if my little pea brain can get it all. So there's got to be a part of God that I don't comprehend. There's got to be a part of his nature, a part of who he is that is just out, out, you know, another league for me. So my hope for you is you get God's breath of heaven in your life. Look at this scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. This is so encouraging. The spirit of God, what is that? The wind of God, the breath of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Think about that. The breath of God lives in you and just as just as just as what does that mean that means that means the same amount equal the, the the same amount of breath that raised christ from the dead just as equal amount of god as god raised christ jesus from the dead he will give life fresh air life to your marriage life to your health life to, to your to your emotions life to your mortal bodies by this same breath living within you think about that the same amount of power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and available to you to work inside of you. How many of us are truly living our life with that power available? I mean, it is a, it is available. How many of us are truly living our life with that power unleashed inside of us? How many of us have really learned how to unleash that power that is fully available and there inside of us? So my hope for you today is that you will get to know him and get rid of all the other junk. Cause let's be honest. There's some just stupid stuff on TV about the Holy Spirit. I mean, we've all seen crazy stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit. Just, just get rid of all of that today and just, just find out what the Bible says. Find out what God says. Here, here's number one, three things I want you to do to really get to know him. Because even if you apply all the principles that like you learn how to make good choices and you learn how to honor the Sabbath, if you don't get this, none of those other things are really going to work that well for you. You got to get the source of the power in your life. Number one, if you're really going to get to know him, let go of fears and misperceptions. Let go of all your fears, because there's a lot of fear in regards to the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of misperceptions when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of crazy stuff done in his name that we've seen on TV and we've seen in other churches. Just let go of the fears. And, and, and you know what? I was the worst. I grew up Baptist in the South. I mean, the first time I heard about it, we didn't even call him a hymn. We called him an it. The first time I heard about it, the church across the street had it, and we were warned to stay away from them. Because if you caught it, it was not good. It was bad. So we, we actually talked about the Holy Spirit like he was a disease, like he didn't want to catch it. 
you know, and that's, and so I just stayed away from ghosts. I mean, I just did. I just, I just, I, I joined the camp that we just stayed away from the ghosts. We had wanted nothing to do with it because it was bad. It was like a disease to us growing up in, in, in the Baptist South. And so I stayed away. The problem was, I'm being very honest with you. I love God growing up. I really did. I love God passionately growing up. Uh, I preached my first message in church at six years old. I mean, I love God. I love Jesus. I had no power in my life. I had absolutely no power. And I got taken out by every type of addiction, drug, alcohol for years of my life, wasted because I love God and I love Jesus, but I had no power to my Christian walk. I had absolutely no power in my life to deal with anything. And it just killed me. It just absolutely killed me. So I get it. I get it. And here's my advice. Let go of what other people say and find out what he's saying. Just let go of everything you've heard about it. Let go of everything you've heard about him and just find out what the word says. Here's the verse for you. Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord. And he answered me, guess what? God will tell you what you need to know about the Holy Spirit. Seek him and the promise is he will answer me and deliver me from all my fears. He'll tell you what you need to know. He'll deliver you from your fears. Number two, and this is critical, go all in. I love Texas Hold'em. I love Texas Hold'em. It's a lot of fun. I love watching it on TV. I love playing it with my friends. We have a saying in Texas Hold'em, all in. All in. And and if you're going to get anything out of your Christian walk, you're going to have to live an all in life. You're just going to have to go all in. You can't do it halfway. And the problem is here in North County, I've actually heard people say this here in North County. We believe in God, the father, the son and the Holy Bible. I've actually heard that. that that is their Trinity. God, the father, the son and the Holy Bible. They completely leave the Holy Spirit out of the equation with so many people in this area. Why? Because we have this arrogance in North County that I can't accept anything I don't understand. If I can't logically or intellectually figure it out or reason it together, I can't accept it. But there's a part of God. So we have so many people that have a two-third God. They got God the Father and God the Son, but they got no power. They got no breath. They got no wind in their life. They love God passionately. They, they, they love Jesus passionately. There's just no breath in their life. And what are they trying to do? Is they, they, they say, Look, well, I'll test it out. I'll put a toe in the water. Let me put my toe in the water and test it out. Let me explain something about God. You go all in or you get nothing. You either go all in or you get nothing. It does not work unless you go all in. That's why I love the old hymn, I Surrender All. And why do we sing I Surrender All? Because anything less doesn't work for God. 99% isn't good enough for God. If God is all-powerful and the creator of the universe and this mighty, incredible God, can he accept 99% of your life? No, it's, it's an impossibility. He either gets all first place of your life or none of your life. Some isn't good enough. And that's why so many people don't enjoy. I don't know how many times I've heard people say this statement. Well, I, t- I tried out the church. I tried out Christianity. It just didn't work for me. Why didn't it work for them? They didn't go all in. It doesn't work for you unless you go all in. Until you surrender and go all in, it does not work. You got to go all in. That's why I love the crazy love small groups that are going to go in because those groups are about all in. So I love Charles Finney. He got to the got to the point where he just, you know, put down his intellectualism. He said, I'm all in whatever needs to happen. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Here's the verse. You will seek me and find me. Do you want to find God? You can't. Here's the conditions. When you seek me with all your heart, not some of your heart, not 99 percent of your heart. He says, you'll find him when you seek him with all of your heart. You have to go all in. And then the last thing 
And listen, let me just give another disclaimer. The fear, the fear for some people about going all in. If I go all in, I'm going to end up in a mud hut in Africa somewhere. And I don't want to live in Africa. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. God, God's not going to send you to Africa if your dream and desire is not to go to Africa. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. God, God put things inside of you for a reason. He doesn't want you to live a miserable Christian life. He wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. He, he's the one that created you with those desires. Why would he give you a desire and then not give you the power, the calling, or the ability to fulfill it? It doesn't make any sense. So don't worry. If you have the fear that if I go all in, I'm going to end up in a mud hut, it's not going to happen. Number three, develop an intimate friendship with him. Who? The holy breath, the holy wind, the Holy Spirit. Develop an intimate. And let me explain what this should look like. This should not be a formal, distant relationship. You are not supposed to have a formal, distant relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to have an intimate friendship. Let me, let me give you a cool benediction in the Bible. Second Corinthians 13. A benediction is simply like a, a closing prayer or closing blessing. This is the benediction in Second Corinthians. The amazing grace. That's where it all begins right there. Let's just stop there for a moment. The amazing grace, it all begins with grace. It does not begin with your efforts. It does not begin with you trying harder. It begins with the amazing grace. If you don't have grace, forget the rest of the verse. It all begins with grace. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ. There's the son. There's the son. It begins with the son. The grace that you, you, you go to God through the son, the amazing grace. Then it goes on the extravagant love of God. There's the father. We have the extravagant love of God. And the problem is a lot of Christians today stop there. They stop there. They just put a period after God. You know, they, they, you know, the amazing grace of the master Jesus. We got the son in our life, the extravagant love of God. We got the father in our life. And so many people stop there. But the rest of the verse says the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So you, you, you got to have the whole Trinity in your life. You can't serve a two thirds God. You got to have all of God in your life or none of God in your life. You can't just have the son and the father. You have to have this intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit in your life. If it's truly going to work for you, if it's truly going to matter. And I was thinking this week, what's a great example of what this friendship should look like in our life? And I don't know if this is a great example, but for some people, I think it's a pretty, pretty good example. I think the way this friendship should look like is the way most of us have a relationship with our phones. I'm serious. I mean, we, we have people today that literally have separation anxiety from their phones. They cannot be, they, they can't, you know, I found myself the other day, I was going upstairs to use the restroom. I, I couldn't go upstairs to use the restroom until I found my phone. I could not leave my phone on a different level of our home without me. I mean, we are so addicted to our phones. I mean, it's like anything you need to know, you need advice, go to the phone. If you, you need to fit WebMD, Wikipedia, whatever, I mean, Google it. I mean, we live with our phones. It is like the, boom, I got the phone, I got the phone. What do you need? What do you need? Oh, you, you want to know something? Let me find out for you. I mean, it's like we literally depend. We sleep with our phones. The phone's next to our bed at night. I mean, we love our phones. I, I have an iPhone, which means I have Siri, and I love Siri. She's my friend. She, she is such a good friend to me. I, every, I said, Siri, I love you. And she says back, I respect you. I said, no, Siri, I really love you. She goes, I bet you say that to all your Apple products. And it's just like, you know, she has a little, little sarcastic there. You know, and, and you can tell Siri to call you whatever you want. So I, I first uh, I had Siri call, call me your royal highness. And so every time I say, hello, Siri, she goes, hello, your royal highness. How are you today? And then my wife changed it to something else. And I can't tell you what that was. And so we finally settled with, uh, 
uh, Asher's daddy. And so, so the other day I said, Siri, what's my name? And she goes, you're Aaron. But since we are friends, I call you Asher's daddy. And so it's just, you know, I mean, I, you know, I wish people had a relationship with the Holy Spirit like we have with our phones today. You know, I mean, you go to restaurants today and you see a whole family sitting around texting each other at the dinner table. I mean, it's like, it's just, we, we are so addicted to our phones. And I thought, man, if, if, if we really knew the Holy Spirit the way we knew our phones, if we really connected the Holy Spirit the way we knew every app and every, every you know, thing on our phones and how to use them, how incredible would our life be if we really had that relationship? So let, let, me, let me close with this verse, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. What is that voice? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the breath of God, the wind of God. How many of you, when you're facing life's decisions, when you're trying to figure something out, would love to have a little voice behind you say, hey, go this way. Hey, go this way. This is going to work out better. Just go this way. It's going to be a lot better for you. Just just go this way. Hey, I mean, I, I, you know, the other day I was at the dinner table and I was going to say something to my wife that I shouldn't have said. And the Holy Spirit just, I, I just, I heard that voice. I wouldn't say that if I were you. <laughs> you know what? He was right. He, 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 he bailed me out of a, of, a, of a rough night there. You know, if I just listened to him and I'm telling you, he wants to speak to you. The problem is so many of us that live such hectic, crazy lives, we, we don't hear him. We, we don't quiet ourselves enough to really build that intimate friendship, to know him, to have his power to have him guide us, to have that that still small voice speaking to us. How incredible. So fresh air principle number four is out of Ephesians 4. This is the fourth and final principle of this series. Don't grieve God. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve. Have you ever been around somebody with grief? It's, 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 It's hard to be around somebody with grief. We grieve God so easily. So don't grieve God. How do we do it? Don't break his heart, his Holy Spirit. Moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Now, here's how we grieve God. Don't take such a gift for granted. Don't take such a gift. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God is the greatest gift you will ever receive on earth. Your friend, your comforter, your guide, your counsel, your advice. How many of us take him for granted? How many of us really spend time building that intimate friendship with him that we're called to build? I mean, yes, we talk to God a lot. We talk to Jesus a lot. There's nothing wrong with that. But how many of us really build that intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, really get to know him in such a way that it just breathes inside of us? It's just this wind that just propels us through life. So fresh air principle number four, get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Get to know him. Get to know him. It'll change your life. Would you close your eyes this morning and bow your heads with me? As we leave today, as I do every single week, we exist for one reason on the weekend, and that's to help people begin a relationship with God or reconnect a relationship with God. That's the most important reason. We want to bless Christians and believers when they... They come every week, and so we want to teach in a way that that you'll be encouraged and blessed. But really, the number one reason we're here today is to give people a chance to begin a relationship with a loving father or to reconnect their relationship to a loving father. And that's that's really the main motivation of being here today. 
And so I just want to ask if there's, I'm going to say a prayer in a moment of uh, really connecting that relationship with God. And I just want to ask if there's anyone here that would like to join me in that prayer this morning. I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud or stand up or come forward. I'm not going to single you out in any way. I just want to give you a moment to really connect with God today. And if you would like to join me in that prayer with every eye closed, would you just raise your hand right now and say, you know what, I need to join you today. I need to reconnect my relationship with God or I need to begin a relationship with God. Would you raise your hand right now where I can see it? Every other eye closed, just raise your hand quickly so that I can see it. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. The process is simple. Step number one is I just want you to invite God into your life and say, God, I want a relationship with you. God doesn't want to be your religion. He wants to be your dad. He's building a family and he wants you to be a part of it. So would you just say, God, I invite you to take control of my life this morning. Just say that in your own words. Second part of that prayer is just ask forgiveness. We've all made mistakes. I, I, you know, I, I feel a lot like the Apostle Paul. I'm the, probably the biggest sinner in this room if you knew my past. So all of us were at this point. We've all made mistakes. Would you just say, God, forgive me? And then the last part of that prayer is, would you just say, thank you? Just say, thank you. Thank you. And that's it. You can look up here now. I want to encourage you to take one more step on your own. We have these connect cards and your worship packs on your seat. On the back of the card, it says, I made a decision to put God first in my life. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I would encourage you to check that box. You can drop it off in one of our tithe and offering boxes in the back of the building. We'd like to connect with you and really help you walk out the decision you made. Outside at our information center, we have these books, Now What? This is a great, great book uh, to figure out what do you do next. I, I prayed the prayer today, Now What? Here you go. And we have these Bibles for you outside. It's the entire Bible. They're all free of charge. If you do not have a Bible, please pick up a Bible today. You can pick up the bookmarks uh, at the information center that have our, our reading plan for the year. The bookmarks are out there. Bibles, now what? It's all free. We want to get this in your life. Stand with me as we close in prayer today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this series, Fresh Air, God. Let let your breath, your wind blow in our lives and propel us. Let us get to know you, Holy Spirit, in a whole new way and understand that you are the very breath of God. You are the wind of God. And I don't fully comprehend what that means, but I accept it. I accept it because I need you and I need to have that intimate friendship with you. And I pray that over every person here today that they will get to know you in a whole new way. That they'll, they'll, they'll seek you like Charles Finney did years ago when he struggled with the intellectualism. And he just said, all right, I'm open. Whatever you need to do, do. I'm all in. So I pray today that people will just make decisions this week to go all in. To go all in. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week.